0: Hello. Hi. <laughs> uh, this is Citations Need a Podcast. No, it's
1: uh, not, Andrew. Uh, what is it? Armchair Apocrypha.
0: Armchair Apocrypha. It's That's not
1: that hard. hard.
0: <laughs> it's not that hard, and I'll get it eventually. But uh, this is the podcast where armchair experts tell uh, stories or uh, events about things that they haven't studied.
1: Right? But have an interest in, perhaps. But have an
0: interest in. Um, so.
1: This uh, is our third episode. This is our
0: third episode. The second episode will be going up sometime tonight, as soon as I can get home and make it public. Um, Sounds good. Next week, we're going to have our friend Katie on the show. Um, as a
1: guest. As a
0: guest. Katie, so excited. Uh, will be our first guest, um, and she also expressed interest in doing uh, artwork for the website and mm-hmm. for the podcast.
1: She's a really good artist. Yeah. So that'll be exciting.
0: Yeah. Uh, so how's your week, Rachel?
1: It was good. It was, it good. was really relaxing, leading up to this <laughs> week, which won't be as relaxing. Oh,
0: no. <laughs> what all did we do this week?
1: We saw Thor.
0: We saw Thor. It was oh, amazing. Was it? Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Did you love it? It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was.
1: Um, I love all the Marvel movies, but yeah.
0: It had some weird, like, artistic choices, and the pacing at the beginning is really. But once they get to, uh, what was the planet's name? Sakar? Yeah. Sakar, once they get to Sakar, it's really fun.
1: Jeff Goldblum Goldblum. just makes everything great. (laughs) (laughs) How was your week?
0: Uh, It was pretty good. I uh, have been doing uh, National Novel Writing Month, and Mm -hmm. I'm at 18,000 words.
1: That's impressive. So I'm really
0: excited. Um, I also, uh, last week, I threw up the last. Halloween short story on our website, so mm-hmm. if you're interested in that, it's only a couple weeks late. Um, <laughs> it's
1: alright. It's always timely for a Halloween story, I think,
0: <laughs> um, So anyway, uh, let's... Let's crack hard. into it. Yeah. Um, so as I promised last week, oh, before I start, I have a correction from last week. Um, We're never wrong, what
1: do you mean? <laughs>
0: <laughs> never wrong. Um, but I was thinking of the wrong guy when I talked about poor Richard, um, uh, poor Richard's Almanac. Mm-hmm. I said Jefferson, I meant Franklin.
1: Oh, okay. I can, yeah. old white men, they get confusing. Yeah,
0: what's, what's the real difference, really? <laughs> um, but as I promised last week, I did, uh, want to talk about the battle of Cable Street. Yeah. Uh, I'm currently reading, uh, Antifa, the anti-fascist handbook by Mark Ray, which Silence I <laughs> highly recommend, um, and in it, he talks about the Battle of Cable Street in London, um, and so I wanted to get, uh, into that. Okay. So, uh, unlike what we usually do, I'm going to start with our villain this time rather than our heroes. Let's do
1: it. Um, I going to sympathize with them? No. Okay. <laughs>
0: oh God, no. <laughs> it's um, one of
1: those <laughs> movies, stories. No. Uh,
0: our villain is a man by the name of Oswald Mosley, Um, During the First World War, he was commissioned into the 16th uh, of the Queen's Lancers and fought in France on the Western Front. Uh, He was transferred to the Royal Flying Corps as an observer, but while demonstrating in front of his mother and sister, he crashed his plane, which left him uh, with a permanent limp, um, as well as a reputation for being brave and somewhat reckless.
1: This is our villain? This is
0: our villain. I feel
1: uh, like so, he's disfigured. Yeah,
0: he's disfigured, as all uh, good know, Star Wars Yes, That's what I was are. just thinking. Star Wars. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so once his injury um, was, it wasn't fully healed, but it was like healed <clears> enough <throat> that he could work. He returned to the war um, until he was put on a desk job with the Ministry of Munitions and the Foreign Office. Um, at the end of the First World War, he decided to go into politics as a conservative member of parliament um, but he didn't have an education or any uh, political experience Mm -hmm. because he was just a soldier. Soldier. Okay. Uh, Between 1919 and 1922 Mosley fell out with the conservatives over Irish policy. Um, He had different uh, he really wanted austerity and um, a very tight budget and the conservative Members of Parliament were much more, um, kind of like, don't make us unpopular right now. We need as many seats as we can. Um, But eventually he crossed the floor to sit as an independent member on the opposition. Um, He built up a constituency uh, for being kind of like a values guy. Like, he always sticks to his values. And he retained it against a conservative challenge in 1922 and 1923 general elections. Um, in 1924, he joined the Independent Labor Party and allied himself with the left. So he's gone from conservative to independent in- to,
1: to left. Leopard. Yeah. Alrighty.
0: righty. Um, in the 1930 elections, he left the Labor Party and he started a new party, which was a fascist adjacent party that had corporatist and nationalist views. How uh, does he
1: just keep hopping around?
0: Apparently, you could do that in 1920. Um, I feel like you can do that now. <laughs> uh, the party had won seats in Parliament in 1930, but um, the Great Depression snap election of 1931, they lost all the seats that they had gained. Who did? The new party.
1: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> all of their seats? All of their seats. Shit.
0: So they came in, <laughs> the Great Depression happened, they left. It was like mm-hmm. a revolving door.
1: I gotcha. And bye-bye. <laughs> and bye
0: <laughs> Uh, so, after his, ele- his failure to be elected in 1931, Mosley went on a study tour of the new movements in Italy under Benito Mussolini. Hey, a recurrent character. Uh, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I feel like he'll come on a lot. <laughs> he might.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, you might. <laughs> it's a very fascinating
1: <laughs> time in history, is all I'm saying. Uh,
0: so, he came back to Great Britain, and he was convinced that fascism was the way forward. Mm-hmm. So, like, this was what he settled on. I'm going to be a fascist. Uh, he was determined to unite the existing fascist movements in Britain and created the British Union of Fascists (BUF) in 1932. The British Union of Fascists uh, modeled themselves Buff. on the huh? Buff. Buff. Buff.
1: <laughs> okay, sorry. The
0: British Union of Fascists uh, modeled themselves on the Italian black shirts, uh, or in Italian, the Milizia Voluntaria per la Sicurezza Nazionale, or the Voluntary Militia for National Security.
1: I like the first version better. Yeah, the <laughs> yes,
0: I feel like uh, the voluntary militia for national security like resonates a lot more, mm-hmm. just because it tells you what it's about. That's what we're like <laughs> dealing with now, but I—that's just me. Um, so uh, the British Union of Fascists—they uh, like to hold rallies around England. Um, one of the rallies that they held in 1933 was uh, dubbed the Battle of Stockton-on-Tree. Um, it's not spelled on-tree, it's spelled on-tees, but, you know, the British...
1: Like to be British. They like to be British. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh,
0: so Stockton-on-Tree, uh, county in Durham, um, it was a clash between the members of the British Union fascist and anti-fascist demonstrators, including local communists and supporters of the Labour Party, uh, the march was an early attempt by the BUF to rally support in depressed areas. They like to go out to depressed areas and try to recruit. Mm-hmm. Here's money, here's food, here's all the things you need. Come join us.
1: Yeah. Well, that uh, tactic probably fully works.
0: Oh, it still works. That's <laughs> what the, the um, Greek fascists like to do. Um... In London, uh, they held in a, a rally at Olympia in June 1934. Um, BUF stewards violently ejected anti-fascist disruptors, and this led to the Daily Mail, which is still a newspaper and yeah. still very conservative. Uh, the Daily Mail with finally withdrew their support from the BUF and uh, Mosley. Um the level of violence shown at the rally was uh, the first time that a lot of Londoners had actually seen fascist violence like yeah. in their streets. Um, one one observer uh, claimed, "I came to the conclusion that Mosley was a political maniac, and that all decent English people must combine to kill his movement." So this was a big setback for the BUF. Yeah, um, they tried to recoup. Uh, they tried to recoup their losses in September. Uh, when they held a rally in London's Hyde Park, um, which is what would eventually become known as the Battle of Cable Street. Or, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. They tried to recoup their losses uh, with a rally in Hyde Park, um, but it was overwhelmed by 120,000 protesters.
1: 120,000 protesters against them?
0: Against the fascists. That's beautiful. Um, so this brings us to the Battle of Cable Street. This is uh, one of the rallies that they held like, okay. right after uh, the rally in Hyde Park. Um, so several thousand fascists amassed to march through uh, London's largely Jewish east end. Um, 100,000 demonstrators flooded the surrounding sta- streets to prevent the fascist advance. Wow. So they're just a little bit out of oh, the Just a wee bit. Uh, these protesters included communists, socialists, anarchists British Orthodox (coughs) Jews all coming together Irish Catholic (laughs) dock workers and the Independent Labor Party which you'll recall Mosley was a part of Um, shout out to the Independent Labor Party uh, Jeremy Corbyn uh, Jezza, the absolute boy um, (laughs) all that stuff Uh, the police arrived about a half hour before the march was scheduled to begin and they tried to disband the protesters. They uh, marched at them with the clubs and tried to like scare them off with torches, uh, but it didn't work. Um, the anti-fascists turned over a lorry or a truck uh, in the middle of the road, and then raided a nearby construction sites uh, for like stones and uh, wood and all that stuff, and built a makeshift barricade. Wow! Right across the road. Um, and when the police charged the barricade, the anti-fascists threw small boxes of gunpowder, which they had fashioned into bombs at the feet of the police, causing the police to pull back.
1: Okay. Uh,
0: as the fascists arrived, they began chanting the Yids, the Yids, we are going to get rid of the Yids, because fascists do that, um, to which the anti-fascists shouted the Spanish slogan, no basaron, or they shall not pass. Gotcha. I love this story. <laughs> Um, so I Oswald. <laughs> so yes. Oswald Mosley um, arrives about half an hour late in an open car protected by black shirts, on motorcycles, along with more police. Did you say in
1: an open car? Yes. Like a
0: convertible. Yes. Oh my gosh. That was all the rage back then, right? I know. The um, anti-fascists threw rocks and other projectiles, such as uh, half-filled, aerated bottles of lemonade that exploded when shaken and thrown. So they're using like Coke bottles and rocks. Um, oh my gosh. And so the fascists, as they're coming in in their cars, they like roll down the windows and like put nets into the windows. So it'll catch the, the rocks and the, um, the bottles and it won't leave like broken glass everywhere. Um, when the mounted police charge the anti-fascists, the anti-fascists burst a bag of pepper to scare the horses. Um, and then, uh, as, like, all of this is happening, people in the apartments above the street, they're throwing down rocks from their windows and emptying their chamber pots, uh, onto the police and the fascists.
1: Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my Uh, god! Okay.
0: so, uh, this next part is taken directly from Mark Bray, um, I just think that it's really cool, uh, before the fascist march was able to begin, the police were forced to cancel it. Outraged Blackshirt shouted, We want free speech. At what would become known as the legendary Battle of Cable Street, Mosley did not pass. God. Um, Between 1979 and 1983, there was a large mural uh, depicting the battle um, that was painted on the side of uh, St. George's Town Hall. Um, And then they have a red plaque in Dock Street that commemorates the incident. And I'll throw up a, a... a photo of the red plaque because it's really cool. Um, and then in October 2011, there was the 75th anniversary, um, and uh, a march was planned, and uh, the mural was restored. And then in 2016, the battle marked its 80th anniversary and was commemorated with a march from uh, Altap Ollie Park to Cable Street.
1: Wow. Yeah. That's a really uh I liked that, yeah. hearing that.
0: Um, yeah, it's really, like, relevant to, like, what we're saying. Fresno Yeah. Today. Um, so, yeah. What's your story?
1: Okay, so it's relevant today. Yeah. It won't be as, when this comes out, but that's okay, because I found it way more fascinating than I would. So, today was daylight saving time. <laughs> of course. So, I'm going to give you a little history and stuff about daylight saving time. And, Good. yes, it's singular saving, not savings. Although everyone says it, I'm guilty of it. Me too. It's daylight saving time.
0: It just sounds better.
1: It does, it sounds more correct. Yeah. But the thing is, is that the word saving, here's our English lesson for the day. (laughs) Since the word saving acts as part of an adjective rather than a verb, the singular is grammatically correct. Okay. But, um, like I don't get mad if someone says savings time, because I'm pretty sure I might accidentally say this throughout this thing, because I'm going to be saying it a lot, unfortunately. Um... First of all, I hate this, but some people like to credit Ben Franklin with the first one to come up with the idea, but everyone's like, no, he just mentioned it in a paper in 1784 because it didn't really become a thing until 1907. You can't say Ben Franklin came up with this idea. He said early to bed, early to rise, but apparently he hated waking up early, so you know. uh, No one really gives him credit. So the actual story is that in 1907, a British man by the name of William Willett published The Waste of Daylight. Um... One morning he woke up and had a thought. The sun shines upon the land for several hours each day while we are asleep. There remains only a brief spell of declining daylight in which to spend the short period of leisure at our disposal. I.e. he's like we need to um, change it so we can spend more hours in the sunlight. Uh, So basically he lobbied British Parliament for years... To change um, to have this become a thing to do some kind of changing of the time up until he died in 1915 to Novell he died at the ripe old age of 58 of influenza Mm -hmm. as most people did back then unfortunately however he missed it by just one year but it wasn't England to be the first one to do it it was actually Germany Um, the first time daylight saving time was used Implemented, began or started, right. however you want to put it. Right. Um, was in Germany on April 30th, 1916, in the hopes that it would save energy, conserve energy, during World War I. Um, and then a couple weeks after that, after Germany started Daylight Saving Time, England, U- the UK, started what they call Summertime. And they still call it Summertime now, but it's the same thing. Right. Where you set your clocks back an hour or forward. So... The United States was a little further behind on this. They um, passed a law that went into effect on March 19th, 1918, so basically almost two years afterwards. Yeah. Um, and their official re- their official reasoning was the same as for England, or the UK, and Germany to conserve energy during mm-hmm. the wartime. However, it should be noted that the Chamber of Commerce was the main back- backer for this policy change. Uh, so some people argue that when Americans get off work while it's still light out meant that they would be more likely to go out shopping in the evening, go out to eat, all that stuff. So, you know, that's, that yep. Sense. So there was, like, they had a, a bigger reasoning behind them <laughs> wanting to change it.
0: Chase that dollar.
1: Uh, So, surprisingly not, some industries in the U.S. really, really loved Daylight Saving Time and actually reaped some, theres like, um statistical evidence showing that, uh, some industries actually gained from it. And, right. um, the sports franchises were one of those, uh, cause uh, apparently golf ball sales went through the roof, <laughs> which is like so funny cause you don't go <laughs> golfing at night, but, right. um, and then baseball benefited as well because back in the day there was no artificial lights. The first one was in, um, 1935 where they had lights right. so they could start games later, which means that they could start like After the work day was done, and more people would be willing to go to the games. Right. That makes sense. And that, yeah, that does make sense. However, Hollywood hated daylight saving times. That kind of actually hurt their industry because people were less likely to go to the theater when it's still light outside. And they saw that their revenue kind of suffered when this first happened. How much do you know? Um, No, it did not. That one didn't give much money on it, Uh, or uh, like facts and figures. Right, right. Um, but, uh, fun fact, <laughs> daylight saving did not stick around after that. Um, most countries after the, after World War I was over, um, got rid of it. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, except Canada, the UK, France, and Ireland were the ones that kept it. But almost all the other countries, the US being one of them, got rid of it. It was apparently, like, super unpopular here. Yeah. People hated it.
0: People still hate it. Um, yes. <laughs> uh,
1: so Daylight Saving Time, after 1919, they got rid of it as a federal law, but it yeah. became a local option. So a couple states stayed with it, Rhode Island and Massachusetts... And a couple cities kept it, um, like New York City, Philadelphia, and Chicago. But what's weird is those cities had it, but their states didn't have it. So if you drove into, into Chicago, they'd be an point. hour ahead. But if you went, like, to Josie or wherever else in Illinois, it um, would be, it'd be an hour difference. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: so you could drive through, like, three time zones going from Chicago to Montreal. Oh, tomorrow. I'll get to some fun stuff <laughs> about that.
1: Just you wait. It's so crazy. Um, but apparently when there's war, there's daylight saving time. Because yeah. when World War II happened 20 years later, President FDR instituted year-round daylight saving time and called it wartime. Which, unfortunately, I think summertime sounds a little happier yeah. with the UK's version. But, okay, fine. It was called wartime. <laughs> And so that was implemented from February 1942, basically almost right when we got into the war, to September 1945, right. kind of when we ended the war. After 1945, just like the First World War, the federal law, there was no federal law, and it went back to cities and municipalities basically getting to choose right. whether or not to observe it. And this caused, as you can kind of tell, a lot of confusion, especially for the railways, airlines, bus companies, and broadcasts. <laughs> Because broadcasts, if you're in one city at this time and another city at another time, you had to figure it out. You so, in yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, even within the time zones and the yeah. time changes. So there was a ton of chaos, especially during the 19s and 50s. Each U.S. locality could not only decide if they did a late saving time, but they could also choose when they started and ended it. What the fuck? <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. (laughs) So, like, in Louisville here, we could start it in April. In Cincinnati, they could start it in June or something. Um, One year, 23 different pairs of daylight saving time started and ended um, were used in just the state of Iowa alone.
0: That's too many daylight
1: savings. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's so funny this is the best part this is getting to your time zone changes um, on one bus route from Ohio to West Virginia wow. the next state passengers had to change their watches seven times in a 35 mile like distance damn seven times they went to different times no <laughs>
0: I'll change it when I get there thanks
1: yeah and they didn't have any you no know, phone back then to change it for them I mean I was, when I read that I was like oh my gosh I could not even imagine <laughs> Um, so as you can tell, it got super bad. It was so that, um, they're like, all right, shit, we gotta actually make this a, a law of some kind. Right. So, in 1966, President Lyndon Johnson passed the Uniform Time Act. It was the first peacetime, I like how they phrase it, that peacetime daylight saving time, uh, law, which said that the United States, um, the policy was, um it would be observed six months, sorry. Uh, Daylight saving time would be observed six months out of the year and then back to standard time for the other six months, which you kind of know that we start now in um, March and in November and I'll get to that a little bit. Spring forward. Um, But when this happened, yes, it's a really easy one. So when this first started in 66 or implemented, um, it actually began on the last Sunday in April and ended on the last Sunday in October. Okay. Um, it required states to either adopt daylight saving time entirely or um, opt out, so they could do so by passing a law exempting their state right. from daylight saving time. But um, we'll get into that because. Or, like, there are some, like, caveats to it. So, in 1972, so a couple years later, about six years later, Congress did pass a law that if a state was in two or more time zones, which a lot of states, especially at West are, right. um, in two or more time zones, the state could exempt part of the state. And this is where I want to get to the motherfucking state of Indiana. <laughs> um, because it is in two different time zones. Right. They're in Eastern and Central, just like Kentucky. But right up in Louisville, they always like to be... With, like, East Coast time, so the way the Eastern time zone works, if you ever look at it, it goes, like, straight down. Then you see a little bloop around <laughs> literally Louisville, and it goes back yeah. in. And freaking Indiana was so confusing because, um, even though this city adhered to daylight same time, I would literally go further east in Indiana to visit my grandma and go back an hour, <laughs> and it always confused me. It made no sense. Apparently, it was... Hot mess, but in yeah. 2006, it, it's been, it had been a hot mess in Indiana for so long, 2006, they passed along law in Indiana that now they follow, nice. um, both um, Eastern and Central follow daylight at the same time, so it's actually a little easier now going through Indiana.
0: Good. Small progress. Yeah, small. Small. Baby steps.
1: <laughs> Um, But did you know that Daylight Saving Time actually got extended in 2007? I did not. So I didn't either. And I'm like, I was like 17, 16 at the time. I thought I would know. So now we start on the second Sunday in March instead of the last uh, weekend in April. So we literally almost add an extra month and a half or a little over a month to when we start Daylight Saving Time. And now it's on the first... uh, uh, Sunday in November as opposed to the last Sunday, so we extend it by a week. Right. So um most other countries, like excluding the US, still tick uh still stick to the last weekends in March and October. We extended ours. It was part of this inner um Energy Policy Act. Um Congress does have the right to revert back to the previous time change if it becomes unpopular as it says or if the energy savings are not significant and they were basically saying we actually do think it will save on energy um, I just love how it says they'll change it back if it's unpopular <laughs> but like you said no one likes daylight same time I'll get to that I'm <laughs> actually, I'll tell you why I'm a little bit of a fan only because of one reason um the big question though is does daylight saving time actually help us conserve energy and in the 1970s there there was a study done concluded that to electricity savings associated with daylight saving time amounted to about 1% in the spring and fall months and they say about 1% and you know like your plus minus is one or 2% so you don't really that's inconclusive and then um, but they also mentioned that in the 70s is when um, air conditioning units were getting way more popular. So that also, they did say that's a factor that they couldn't really like, figure out for. Yeah. yeah. But the University of California at Santa Barbara, their economic, uh, economists calculated that Indiana's new move to statewide daylight saving time, just this past uh, couple or 10 years or so yeah. ago, did lead to a 1% rise in residential electricity use. Through additional de- additional demand for air conditioning and mm. summer evening heating, and things like that. Um, but Sweet. to me, like the one percent thing doesn't like that doesn't tell you anything. That's not big enough of change either way. Right. So, um, and okay, so I personally like daylight same time <laughs> only for the fact that as someone who's usually up really early in the morning, I hate that I'm up three or four hours before the sun's up, right. and now that we just went back an hour, I will now only be in the dark for two hours, <laughs> as opposed to three before the sun comes up. That's the only reason that I like it like right, that. Right. But you don't like it.
0: I don't like it at all.
1: Would you rather just stick to the standard time? Oh,
0: definitely, yeah.
1: Do you have any rivalries? I mean, 6.30, being completely dark out now is well, not nice, but...
0: I mean, from what I understand, it makes us less healthy, because, like... Our body has to readjust our uh, uh-huh. our internal clock, um, our circadian rhythms, uh, we don't sleep as well as we do, um, and it can also just like cause confusion between like going between time zones yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, it's not like, I hate it, I think yeah, I should yeah. abolish it tomorrow. Um, there are definitely like bigger things that we should deal with first. Yeah, but it's just not something that I would really enjoy. Yeah,
1: I do understand that because there's this one older lady I work with, and she she says it takes her a week to like readjust yeah. times, and so I completely agree with that. It takes her a while. I feel like I knock on wood. <laughs> I have this really weird thing where I can adjust very easily. Yeah. Like even when I went across the, the country or yeah. went across the world, I never got um, jet lag, and right. I don't understand my friend, best friend. She, like, it took her days to get back yeah. into sync. I'm like, I it's don't know why I'm blessed of not getting this, but watch yeah. me next time, like, go two hours away and, like, I, don't, I can't catch up.
0: When I was in China, it took me, like, weeks to get back onto a regular schedule. Yeah.
1: I, yeah. And how most people are. Um, so mine is very just selfish. Like, I'm up in the morning and I like to, the sun to be up, yeah, too. Right. And in all honesty, I don't think it would bother me too much either way. Also, I know that it changes depending, obviously, on where you live, which we'll get to soon. So I just have a couple more things, but I have a, some fun stories involving daylight saving time. This has to do with the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. A man was able to avoid the draft during the Vietnam War because of this. So try, bear with me. <laughs> he was born just after midnight on like daylight saving time, like when, okay. the, when the change was being made. When he was drafted, he argued that standard time, not daylight saving time, was the official time on his birth certificate. Uh Um, um, Because that's what they did in his home state of Delaware. Therefore, under official standard time, he was actually born on the previous day. So if he's born at like 1230, he was really born at 1130 p.m. the previous day, which had a much higher draft lottery number, allowing him to avoid the draft. What? Yeah, he was able to avoid it because like the, the day that he was born, I mean, I kind of have an idea about how drafts work, and yeah. it has to do with the day you're born. Apparently, it was a higher lottery number, which means he would have more people would have been likely to go, and he would have been less likely uh-huh. to go. Um, but I thought that was really interesting.
0: So what you're saying is the draft is dumb.
1: <laughs> I told you that before I told you this story. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> and then I thought this was really neat. So this has to do with the Berlin Opera. Among the first institutions affected by daylight saving time was the actual Berlin Opera, when it was first started on April thirtieth, nineteen sixteen. Because when they actually implemented daylight saving time there, they did the thing where they started it at eleven p.m. and went straight to midnight. Uh-huh. So when they were springing forward, they like literally sprung into the next day. Well, at yes, yeah, so at eleven o'clock, all German clocks were to be set to midnight. The Berlin Opera is pretty smart. And they changed their schedule to begin its performance of of Die Monstringer. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I said that right. An hour earlier than usual. This allowed the audience to catch um, this allowed the audience to be able to catch their trains home, which were going to be ending at midnight that night.
0: Okay.
1: So I was like, oh, they know what they're doing.
0: Yeah.
1: They act like they'd done this before. All right. Uh, two more things on this. So Canada, um, specifically Newfoundland. Hmm. experimented with double daylight saving time in 1988 Um, because they could. This (laughs) is a little small community. So so they set their clocks ahead two hours in order to capitalize on the long hours in sunlight in the the northern latitudes of Newfoundland. But the problem was um, it was like bright until midnight. And like kids were going and parents were going to – School and work. Yeah. While it's still really dark outside. Yeah. It So they, I think that, from what I can tell, they only did that one year and like, oh, nope, we're good. <laughs> and then someone was like, well, if you have to make calls to people in New York, you can't make it any earlier than
0: 1130
1: a.m. Right. So they, uh, they saw that but I thought That was pretty interesting. And then, I'm kind of interested to see how this turns out. So, they're, it's, um... It talks about voter turnout study. Right. So now that um, daylight saving time here in the U.S. has extended uh, to the first Sunday in November, um, it has been proposed as a way to encourage greater voter participation. That theory being like, if it's still light outside we you get off work, you're more likely to go vote. Because mm-hmm. as we all know, um, when it rains, voter turnout like <clears throat> goes yeah. really low. Yeah. So um, in 2021, 2027, and 2032... Daylight saving time will actually fall after the election day. Okay. Um, So this will help give researchers an opportunity to gauge whether it works or not. It did happen in 2010, so they already have one year to go off of, but you need more than that. Right. And then... All right, the last couple of things, I have some interesting tidbits. I saw. Okay. (laughs) Do you see? Um, So... Historians are really confused why people think it was all about the farmers when it came to daylight saving time. Oh. I don't know about you, but when I grew up, I heard it was, it, it was because of farming that we instituted daylight saving time. And you could tell from all the articles I went to, all the historians like, I don't understand why people <laughs> think it's farmers. It was quite the opposite. Farmers ve- vehemently opposed daylight saving time. I've the sun, not yeah. the clock, dictated, dictated a farmer's schedule. Yeah. Um, so it was actually very disruptive to their farms. Um, the hired hands worked less because they still left at the same time to go home for dinner. Yeah. Even though it stayed um, lighter longer and cows weren't ready to be milked an hour earlier to meet shipping schedule. So like, you know how we have a hard time adjusting. Well, why do you think, do you think animals would be any different adjusting? Right. Yeah. So that was hard. It was really the urban areas like New York City, Philadelphia that actually gained a lot from the daylight saving time. Not farmers. Yeah. Um, there are... Mm. Many places that do not adhere to daylight saving time, specifically in the United States, Hawaii and Arizona, do not do it. Yeah. Except what's really interesting in Arizona, the Navajo Nation actually follows daylight saving time, but okay. the rest of the state does not. That's cool. Yeah, so they're like, no, we'll do it. Yeah. And they, I mean, I can understand why Hawaii doesn't. I don't know why the whole state of Arizona doesn't. I didn't really like delve too much into why. Right. Um, they probably, after, you know, World War II, they're just like, oh, we're not going to do it, and just never decide to change it. Um, and then also, uh, the territories of America, Samoa, Guam, Puerto Rico, the Virgin Islands, and the Northern Mariana Islands mm-hmm. do not adhere to the same time, so they just stay on Standard Time all year, and not surprisingly, it's kind of like, um, flipped, um, some Amish communities uh follow at sometimes, times and some don't.
0: Okay. I don't see why they Amish would.
1: But... Because um, a lot of them are I feel I was thinking about that myself, but then I started thinking along the lines of, well, um, a lot of them are like builders and contractors, so uh-huh. if they if they work with people who aren't Amish and like we'll be here at nine AM they might want to be on like their time schedule so they don't confuse themselves.
0: Okay. Uh-huh. That was my
1: only thought. Um, this is the one last little part. <laughs>
0: Before uh, before you start, uh, listeners, I was watching Rachel go through her notes on the computer, and there's a big space after the last section that she just read, and I was thinking, okay, she's like winding down. This is going to be the end. And then she scrolled down, (laughs) and there are like a a bunch more like interesting. I'm almost there. So I was surprised. Uh, I like
1: to throw you through, (laughs) keep you on your toes. Um, so many countries close to the equator obviously do not change from their standard time because daylight saving time, um, doesn't change much from season to season. As you know, closer to the equator, the more likely the days and nights are going to be the same throughout the year. So about 70 countries participate in daylight saving time. I.e. only 25% of the world's population actually follows it, which was way less than what I thought. I thought it was going to be way more than that. Yeah. So that really kind of threw me through a loop. Um, I thought it was really funny. They did say that Antarctica follows it at the same time only because researchers there want to stay on the same time zone as um, the other facilities that they talk to.
0: There's no practical reason. It's just like Yeah, they, they basically it, so.
1: said, well, just to help them keep on schedule with the other facilities. Um, but I would like, the last thing I want to talk about is the place where you used to live, China, which I didn't know until you had that. China literally doesn't even, they have one time. Yeah. They don't change. You can, it was talking about in the 3000 stretch miles that they had on the west side to the east side, it will still be like noon. Yep. But what's so crazy is they literally have five different time zones that they just don't adhere to. They're just on Beijing time. Yes. And, like, that really messes up my <laughs> head. Like, can you imagine airlines flying into Beijing? I couldn't even.
0: I love it. It's so great.
1: Did you like it? Yeah.
0: You I go don't... to Beijing, you go to Shanghai, you go to Suzhou, you go to uh, Tainan, you go to any of those places. It's the same time. Always on the same time.
1: That's crazy, though. It, like, it, I just had to, so, they do not adhere to <laughs> daylight saving time. They are on their own time. Literally their own time. Yeah. I thought that was pretty interesting.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I remember you talking about that, and I, I just.
0: We had that as a trivia question. We, we did
1: have it as China? a trivia question. When you told me, it was like, what's the largest country with one time zone? Yeah. I'm thinking of like a really thin, skinny thing. And you're like, oh, it's China. I go, no, it's not. That's stupid. You're like, no, I've lived yeah. there. They live on one time zone. I'm like, oh, can't argue with that. A true story. <laughs> and it was China. <laughs> we were right. So, thank you, Andrew. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> But um, I hope you learned a little something about Daylight Saving Time. I learned a lot
0: about Daylight Saving Time. Um, do we have anything to plug this week?
1: The website.
0: The website. Website is up. Yes. Uh, we've got stories. We've got blog. We've got mm-hmm. pictures. We've got all that good stuff. Um, it's dot
1: Arts.wordpress.com. Arts. Exactly. And I think we'll be making... Like a Twitter or something. Cool. We'll be working on it. Cool. I'll see what I can do with my social media <laughs> skills.
0: <laughs> awesome. Um, so we'll have a Twitter too. Um, anything else?
1: Just, they know where they can listen to us.
0: Yeah. Uh, iTunes. iTunes um, SoundCloud. I use uh, Podcast Addict. Uh, shout out to them. Uh, SoundCloud. You can subscribe to us on SoundCloud. Um, yeah.
1: Those are the ones I know right now. Yeah. Yeah. And next time you hear us, we'll have a friend with us.
0: Next time you hear us, we'll have Katie with us. Um, I'm going to start, like, uh, inviting other people, so hopefully we'll have, like, a recurring mm-hmm. cast of oh yeah guest voices.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure.
0: Um, yeah. Uh, if, you're, uh, if you're interested in health care or single-payer health or anything like that, um, DSA Louisville, of which I am a member, just put up the Tim Faust talk. Um, from when he, he was down here on 1021, It's on YouTube as International Single, single Pairs Anthem. Um, go check that out, it's really cool. It's like a slam policy. Um, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, and Tim Faust is just a really cool guy. He's a single, uh, single issue speaker. Um, so go check that out. Um, as I mentioned, I've got a story up, a Halloween story, mm-hmm. um, and I'm working on a new book, obviously. Um, so, if you have any questions, just uh, yeah.
1: I'm reading it when you
0: leave.
1: <laughs> I read all the other stories, yeah. so that's the one I didn't get to. <laughs> um,
0: so, yeah, uh, if you have any questions, you can email us. My uh, email is andrew.massy at live.com um, and it's connected to my phone, so I'll probably answer you no matter what time you email me. Um, and check us out on our website, Twitter, all that stuff. Woohoo! No. yeah all right uh have a good night guys see you next time
1: yeah until next time